0: Uh, Look for me, brothers, if you will. Romans chapter 5, and we're going to look at verse number 1. Romans 5, verse number 1. Watch what the Bible says here about being justified. I love it. It says, therefore, being justified by faith. So according to Romans 5 and 1, how are we justified? We're not justified by works, self-righteousness, good deeds. We're justified by faith, all right? Now watch. We have peace with God, how? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. We are made right with God when we place our faith in Jesus. And when we place our faith in Jesus, we receive the peace of God that passeth all understanding. That's justification. That happened at the moment you were born again into God's family. The moment you trusted in Christ for the forgiveness of your sin. That happened for me, that happened for you. Romans 3, 24 says, believer, watch this. Being justified freely, how? By his grace. It says we have redemption that is in Christ Jesus. How? We're justified freely by his grace. By grace, through faith, justification happens. How many of you know we have been saved, we were saved at the time we trusted in Christ? And it's signed, sealed, and delivered. I'm telling you. You were born again into God's family then, and nothing has changed. You said, brother, are you trying to tell me you believe in eternal security? Absolutely, I believe in eternal security. Let me tell you why. Because God's Word teaches eternal security. Because the work of Christ is a finished work. I'm not trusting in my works I'm not trusting in my righteousness I'm trusting in his finished work In his perfect righteousness The righteousness that is applied unto me And applied to you when we place our faith in him Amen So your salvation Is signed, sealed, and delivered At the moment you trust in Jesus You are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise Praise God I wish I had longer to go into that. I do want to say this though, listen. You say, I heard a lot of people tell me, brothers, you believe in eternal, you just believe you can go out and do whatever you want to do. Live however you want to live. I didn't say that. See, I think if you've truly been born again, there will be a a, a change with your desires. There'll be a new nature that brings a new desire that determines your direction, that ultimately determines your destiny. The nature of the Holy Spirit of God makes you want what is pleasing unto the Lord. Makes you want to do what's pleasing unto God. Want, makes you want to be a part of what God's doing in this earth. Makes you want to be plugged into a local church. Makes you want to serve the Lord. When you've truly been experienced grace, listen, you're not going to cheapen grace in your life. Amen. So, I do believe we are justified, made right, at the moment of conversion. But then there's another step in the process called, it's not only justification, but then sanctification. If justification means to be made right with God, sanctification means to be separated unto God. How many you know that when God saved you, I hear people say it all the time, Boy, Jesus, he hung out with some of the most... Um, Sinful people, you could imagine—prostitutes and liars and thieves and tax collectors and people that uh, nobody else wanted to be around—and you know what? That's exactly right. How many know Jesus loves you right where you are, just like you are? But let me tell you what else I found out in Scripture: when Jesus, when these people that you speak that, that everybody speaks of—the prostitutes and the liars and the thieves and the tax collectors and all those people that Jesus hung, when Jesus hung out with them when he when they met the Lord. They weren't prostitutes anymore. Amen. They weren't tax collectors and thieves. They didn't steal people's money anymore. You go back and read about old Zacchaeus. The the Bible says Zacchaeus, after he met Jesus that day of having climbed down from the sycamore tree, and the Lord went to the the house of Zacchaeus. The Bible says then that Zacchaeus gave back all the money that he had stolen. Uh, And folks, listen to me. That shows change in that man's life. Jesus loves you just like you are, right where you are, but he loves you too much to leave you like he found you. If you've truly been justified, there'll be a process of sanctification where he begins cleaning you up, setting you apart for the purpose of God. Let me me read to you some scripture. Let me give you some scripture on that. I want you to know that I'm not just saying this stuff. This is what God's word tells us. Look with me, if you will, please. 2 Timothy chapter 2. And verse number 21, I'm going to read this to you in the Amplified Version. Man, it's so good. Watch what this says. So whosoever cleanses himself from what is ignoble and unclean, who separates himself from contact with contaminating and corrupting influences will then himself be a vessel set apart and useful for honorable and noble purposes, consecrated and profitable to the master, fit and ready for any good work. So what does it mean that we are to be sanctified? It's when we are being separated, listen, apart from from the rest of the world, in the world but not of the world, separated for the purpose of God so that God might be glorified with our lives. We were saved at the moment we trusted in Jesus. That's justification. We are being saved right now. That's the process of sanctification. But then there's a third step in this, in this uh, pattern of growth. There's glorification. That means I will be completely saved one day when I'm just like He is. Again, 1 John 3 and 2. Brothers, put that on the screen for me. Watch this. I've got a message that I want to preach to you on 1 John 3 and 2. Man, I love this one one verse. It's power-packed. Watch this. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Get a hold of that right. If you've trusted in Jesus as your personal Savior, when God sees you, He no longer sees you in your sin. He sees you as an adopted son or daughter. And listen, all of the benefits of sonship come to you and I as the adopted children of God. We are heirs to God and joint heirs with Jesus. God Himself now lives in us, in the person of the Holy Spirit. Do you realize what you've been made a part of? You're in God's family. You're His child. Listen, don't don't think about who you are in the flesh. Think about whose you are in the Spirit. That's right thinking for the child of God. You're the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be. We don't see it yet. Watch, though. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We shall be like him. Praise the Lord. That's glorification. The final step in the process. Amen. (laughs) Amen. For you who have been justified, you are being sanctified. One day you will be glorified. We were saved when we were justified. We are being saved now that we are being sanctified. We will be saved when we are glorified. Are you getting it? If you got it, say I got it. This is the process of growth that we're all going through. And guess what? There's growing room for everybody. I don't care if you've been saved five years or 50 years, there's growing room for everybody. Everybody, do this this morning. If you can still do that, you've got growing room. If God was finished with you and you were done growing, you'd already be with Him in heaven. But That's not the case. I've got growing room, you've got growing room, and we need to be growing. So how do we grow in grace? I've got three things that I want to share with you. I'm not going to get to all three of them this morning. What I don't get to this morning, we'll get to the others, others tonight. But, but point number one, we grow in grace by the teaching of God's word. Number two, we grow in grace by the testing of our faith. And number three, we grow in grace by the testimony that is ours. Amen? Now, what does it mean that we grow in grace by the teaching of God's word? To Go back uh, in, in your Bibles there to 1 Peter chapter 2, and let's look at verse number 2. Peter says something here that's going to be very beneficial to us in learning what it means to grow by the teaching of God's word. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. He says, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, watch this, that ye may grow thereby. Everybody say grow. We're going to grow by the sincere teaching, the the, the truth of God's word, the the milk of the word is how Peter puts it here. Now let me say something to you, folks. I want you to get a hold of this. How do you know I love babies? Anybody else love babies? Me too. Praise God for babies. Babies are so special. I'm thankful for babies. Spiritually speaking, I'm thankful for newborn babes in Christ. I am thankful, listen to me now, That God is still in the saving business and is adding to the church such as should be saved as newborn babies being born again into God's family. That's fantastic. Praise God for babies. But now listen to me. There ain't nothing wrong with being a baby. We love babies. But what's wrong is when you remain a baby. Babies need to grow. If a baby does not grow, it's going to miss out on all that life has for it. Amen. It's going to miss out on some really good stuff. That's true physically speaking. I remember when my kids were just little bitty babies. Man, and what a special time that was for me as a dad. And, and it's amazing how fast they've grown up. My goodness, a lot of times I wish they was back at them little babies so I could have that do all over again. I mean, they were, they were so precious to me and their mama. I, I love those babies. But let me tell you when it really got fun, when it really got exciting. about two, three, and four-year-olds. Miss Lacey, you know what I'm talking about well, don't you? She does her pre-K her <laughs> pre-K Sunday school class. I was in there with them, I guess it was two weeks ago now, talking about the uh, uh, making the, the jack-o'-lantern, and talking about how that, listen, just like you clean that jack-o'-lantern out and put a light in it, that's the same thing God does for us when we trust in Jesus. He cleans all the junk out and puts a light in it. That's good stuff. But then little, little boys, man, they were so fired up and excited about that. That was fantastic. But I um, It gets exciting at two, three, four years old. It's fun when they're babies. But a baby can't do much. Right? A baby just pretty much cries when it's hungry. Cries when it don't get its way. It don't bring a whole lot to the table as far as getting stuff done, does it? Precious, yes. Thankful for them, yes. But a baby needs to grow. I remember when Gage was about two, three, four years old, somewhere around in there, probably about four. He just got big enough where he was climbing the walls and doing things that boy do, boys do. And I was sitting in, a, in my living room one Saturday watching TV, and it sounded like someone had set a bomb off in my bedroom. I didn't know what had went on. I thought somebody had turned our dresser over is what it sounded like. I thought, oh, my gosh, what in the world was that? So I took off running from the living room into the bedroom, and I walked into our bedroom, and to the right, we have one of those big stand-up dressers, probably about, I don't know, four and a half, five feet tall. And when I walked into my bedroom, Gage was standing up on top of that dresser like this, about to jump off onto our bed. That was the sound that I was hearing the first time when I heard it sitting in the living room. How many know babies can't do that stuff? That's fun stuff. I mean, I don't care who you are. Everybody likes to jump on the bed. Y'all know that's right. I ain't the only one that goes in a hotel room and the first thing you do is jump on the bed. I may not do it at home, but when I go to the hotel room, I'm going to jump on the bed a little bit. I mean, that's just fun stuff, but babies can't do that stuff. They can't experience those things. They haven't grown yet. I love to see little babies try new things as far as food goes. I'm a foodie, man. I love to eat. And so that just, that tickles me. I, I got a video for you. Brother, if you got that, you can, we're going to play a, just a short video of a baby that ate bacon for the first time. I, I found that this week and uh, man, I thought it was great. So, So check this out, brother, play that for us. Babies can't do stuff like that, right? He, he had to grow on the milk before he got to the meat. Are you getting me? Now, the apostle Paul told the church at Corinth, he said, I wanted to feed you some meat, but I had to give you the milk. I, I wanted to, you to really experience all that God had for you, but you couldn't get it because you weren't grown enough on the milk to get the meat. He said that you're you're still in the baby stage. And and the, the sad thing is there's a lot of Christians that's been saved for years and they're still in the baby stage. They're not growing in the things of God and experiencing all that God has for you. So your Christian walk has become dull and mundane and broad. Listen, there is nothing boring about serving Jesus. It's a glorious thing that I get to be a part of what God is doing. I'm like Dr. Johnny Mays. He always said that he's just like a little boy at the parade. He can't wait to see what's going to happen next. I agree with him. That's right. A lot of people fall away from the faith and fall out of church because they quit growing. They quit growing. They unplug themselves from the body. Uh, I heard a story one time about this. Little boy who fell out of bed one night while he was sleeping, his mama heard him hit the floor the next morning. She said, Son, did you fall out of the bed? He said, I sure did, mama. She said, What happened? He said, I went to sleep too close to where I got in. And sometimes that happens in the church. People get saved and go to sleep. And before long, they fall out. Man, there's nothing that breaks my heart more as that there's nothing that cranks my tractor more. I'm talking about fires me up more than see people growing in their faith, serving the Lord, man, excited about what God's doing in their life. I love seeing daddies with that Bible under their arm leading their families to church. That fires me up. But there's nothing that breaks my heart more than to see somebody on fire for the Lord for a short time and then fall away. You can't quit growing. My prayer for me as a pastor is that I keep growing. Believe me, I've got growing room. My prayer for you as the men and women of God is that you keep growing. we got growing room. And there's more that God wants you to experience. More that God has for you. Man, it's a blessing to serve Jesus. If we're going to grow, we got to desire the sincere milk of the word. The truth of what God has said. Jesus said in John 17, 17, he's praying to his heavenly father uh, the high priestly prayer before he goes to the cross and he says, Father, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Like I said before, we're all, if you've been born again, in that sanctification stage. You've been justified, but now you're being sanctified. And we are sanctified through the truth of God's Word. And it's through the truth of God's Word setting us apart that we become more like Jesus. So what we need is a steady diet of God's precious truth. We grow by the teaching of the Word of God. Amen? Wow. Let me tell you something, Daddy. The most important decision you can make is to keep them babies in church. I don't care if them babies are this high or this high. If they are under your roof and they're this high, you can still and should still make them come to church. I had a lady tell me one time, Brother Israel, we just ain't coming no more. I said, why? Because my kids, did. they just don't want to come. I said, oh my gosh. So, so now they're the parent and you're the child. Because that's really what you're saying. Now they're making the decision for the family. And so I asked that, that sister, I, I love her in the Lord, still do. After a while, their family did get back in church and serve the Lord faithfully now. But I was talking to her and I said, let me ask you something. Do you, do you make your kids go to school? She said, yeah, sometimes I have to make them. Sometimes they don't want to go. I said, why do you make them go to school? Because that's what they need. That They're not going to learn anything if they don't go to school. I said, you're right, they need to go to school. I said, do you ever make them eat their dinner? Well, yeah, I have to sometimes. Sometimes they don't want to eat it and they need to eat. Well, I said, yeah, that's right. They need that good nutritious stuff. So you've got to make them eat it. She said, yeah, sometimes I do. I said, so if you'll make them eat physical food and you'll make them go to school so they can learn, why in the world? Wouldn't you make them come to church so they get a hold of the life-changing truth of the Word of God? Because not only is that going to impact their today, that's going to impact their eternity. Hope and pray that my kids are rich beyond the wildest dreams. And come back and buy their daddy a 69 Camaro. <laughs> Hope they're CEOs of companies, president of the United States, senators, homemakers, pastors, missionaries. I hope they get, I hope they're successful in whatever God puts them in. But if they're a pre, if they are the president of the United States and they make a million dollars at the at a Fortune 500 company and all, they do all that stuff and they miss out on the teaching of the Word of God, then they've missed out completely. I can't control whether they're going to be president or senators or presidents of companies. I, I, can't, I can't control that. But what I can control as their father is that they get a steady diet of God's word. I can't control that. And folks, I am far from a perfect dad, but I can control what they see in my home. Amen? I can do that. There are no guarantees in this thing. But I want to do my part and trust God to do His part. That's all we can do. So we all need a steady diet of God's Word. We got to continually eat our meals. Uh, Right when I first started, uh, when I first surrendered the call to the ministry. Somebody gave me something that I've never forgotten. It was a little, little sheet of paper that had an um, acronym on it, MEALS, that talked about the importance of, of getting in God's Word. And M stood for memorize. It said, and what it, what, it, what it was saying, if you want to grow by the, the truth of God's Word, you got to eat your meals. When I was a little boy, that's what Mama used to tell me. She'd say, son, if you're going to grow up and be big and strong like your daddy, you got to eat all your vegetables. you got to eat your good food. She is right, physically speaking, that's true. If you're going to grow physically like you need to grow and want to grow, good growth, then you've got to eat the right foods, right? Same is true spiritually. So, so it's, you've got to eat your meals. The M stood for memorize. The psalmist said, Psalm 119 11, that I'm going to hide God's word in my heart that I might not sin against the Lord. Wow. Isn't that amazing? You say, brother, it's hard for me to memorize stuff. I'm, it's, it's tough. Do you know your Social Security number? I bet everybody in here knows their Social Security number, Probably, pretty much everybody. Um, you know your Social Security number because it's helpful to you. If you're at the, if you're at the, uh, uh, the, the uh, doctor's office and filling out your paperwork and you've got to write your Social Security, you don't have to get everything out and look for it. You, you want to memorize that. It's helpful to memorize it. So you just write it down when you need it. You get any taxes done, you don't have to go through all that. You just memorize your social security number, then you got it there, right? You've looked at that social security number over and over and over and over again, so you've committed that to memory because it's helpful to you. Some of y'all know your license number. If you got CDL license, I bet you know your license number. Yeah, you got to write that down all the time. Six three six one two one eight. That's mine. Why do do I know that? Because I've seen it over and over and over again. I've poured over it. I've seen it time upon time upon time upon time. And it's become beneficial to me to know it when I need it. And so that which is beneficial to you, you'll memorize. Let me tell you something. There's nothing more beneficial to you than the Word of God. Because just like uh, the, the psalmist said, it keeps us from sinning. Memorize God's truth. Commit it to memory. Not only do you memorize God's Word, but listen to me. Uh, th- th- that's M, but E stands for examine. Examine God's Word. Let me tell you what we do most of the time. Most of the time what we do, we, we, uh, we uh, sit down right before we go to bed at night, and because we want to fulfill the obligation of reading at least a verse or two of Scripture, uh, we, we save that last uh, 45 seconds for reading Scripture. Right? Right before we close our eyes, because we've we got to fulfill that obligation. And so we do this. Peter, the apostle of Jesus Christ, and the strangers, scattered throughout parts of Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, through the sanctification of the Spirit, under obedience, and speaking of the blood of Jesus Christ, to grace of the Lord, thank you for this today. Thank you for this good truth that you've given me. Father, apply this to my life. Help me do what you need to do. Praise God, Jesus. Thank you. Amen. Then we go to sleep. But what did you receive from that? Now, I know what some of you are thinking. brothers. That's how you read when you preach preaching. And I probably do from time to time. But I'm just saying, when you truly examine the word of God, you meditate upon it. You think about it. How does it apply to you? Joshua 1.8, watch this. Joshua 1.8. The Bible says, This book of the law shall not report out of thy mouth, but you shall meditate on it therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and thou shalt have good success. Who wants their way prosperous? Anybody? Who wants good success? Well, if you want that, do what God says. He says meditate on the law of God day and night. Don't forget it. Think on it. Throughout your day, you memorize, you examine, let me tell you something else, you apply. It's good that you come to church on Sunday morning and listen to the preaching of the Word of God and you're in Sunday school listening to the teaching of the Word of God. That's all well and good and wonderful. But if you don't apply what you've heard, it does you no good. Like I've said so many times, folks, I'm all about a pep rally, and I think you ought to be passionate about the things of God, and you ought to be fired up when you come to the house of God. I think that's necessary. That's needful. Listen, He's worthy of honor. He's worthy of worship. He's worthy of glory. You shouldn't be dead as a doornail in here. But let me tell you something. This is more than just a pep rally. When we leave this place, what we've learned must change our lives, or it don't matter what we've done in this place. You've got to apply it. Uh, James 1.22 says, Don't be hearers of the word only, but be doers also. I don't just hear what God's Word says, but I actually start doing, practically making a difference in my life. How do I apply God's truth? I, the, the Word of God tells us a lot of things that we should do and some things that we shouldn't do. And I've come to find out I do some things I shouldn't do and I don't do some things I should. So when I'm reading God's Word, I try to allow God, the Holy Spirit, to apply this stuff to me. Let's just, for instance, let's just say I'm reading through the Word of God and I see where Jesus said, Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I pray about it. I say, Lord, am I really doing this? Show me areas in my life, at my workplace, in my home, wherever I'm at, that I need to do unto others as I would have them do unto me. Help me to apply this to myself. I read in the Word of God, Ephesians 5.25, the Bible says, Husbands are to love their wives as Christ loves the church. So I think about it. Lord, am I doing that? Am I loving her unconditionally? Am I loving her sacrificially? Am I loving her like you love me? I look into the Word of God and I see in Ephesians chapter 6 that we are called to bring our children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And so though I apply that to myself, Lord, am I doing that? Help me to do that daily in my parenting. And I start making decisions and choices where I practically apply this stuff that I'm getting a hold of. You memorize, you examine, you apply, you listen, you listen. Matthew 14, you'll find the story of Jesus feeding 5,000 people. And then walking on water. The Bible says in Matthew 14, verse number 14, that after Jesus had heard about um, the execution of John, he went by himself out into a deserted place. And when he got out there, people from the towns and cities followed him to where he was. And he began healing their sick because he had compassion on them. And Jesus sat there on that mountainside by the Sea of Galilee, and he preached to these people all day long. To the point where it got too late for them to buy food. They were more concerned about listening to the life-changing truth of God himself than feeding their physical bellies. You don't believe some of the looks I get when we go past 12 o'clock. My gosh, is he ever going to shut up? Why do you want to go anywhere else if God's moving? If you are gauging where you worship, on what time they get out on Sunday, this is probably not the church for you. Well, brother Israel, this, the church across the street—they're all well, they always beat us to the cafe. Fine, fine, that's okay. I ain't mad at them. Don't be mad at me. Listen. God's got something for you. Memorize, examine, apply, listen. S stands for study. 2 Timothy 2.15 says study to show yourself approved unto God a workman who rightly divides the word of truth, not being ashamed. What does this mean? Three ways you can effectively study the word of God. Number one, what did God's word mean then to the people it was being written to? Keep it in context. Context is king. Number two, what does it mean today? Number three, what does it mean to me? Study the word of God. Don't take my word for it. See what God's got for you. Taste and see that the Lord is good as you eat your meals. Amen? Everybody stand together this morning. We grow by the teaching of the word of God. I'm thankful for the Word of God. So good. makes all the difference. Has it made a difference in your life? First and foremost, have you, have you truly been born again into the family of God? Have you been justified by faith? Do you have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ? If not, you can. Again, I love babies. Praise God for babies. The Lord is still adding to His church by His grace and His mercy. If you need the Lord, you know you need to be saved. Why not today? You can be made partakers Of the promises as well he can be your heavenly father your Jehovah Jireh your Jehovah Rapha your Jehovah Sidkenu the Lord our righteousness he can be your God your Savior today if you'll trust him I want to show you what it means to trust him come you you come if you need to be saved today and I want to share with you in the Word of God what it means to be born again if you have been justified Are you being sanctified? Are you being set apart? Are you allowing God to clean you up so that you can be consecrated for the work of the Lord? That's what 2 Timothy 2.21 says. That's the process of sanctification that is to be happening for the believer. I look forward to when I'll be glorified. Praise God. Be just as He is forever unhindered by this flesh in the presence of God. We've got something to look forward to. We've got a glorious hope to look forward to. And I want to encourage you this morning in this invitation time, if you need the Lord in any way, maybe there's areas in your life that you're struggling in, join the crowd. Me too. Me too. I don't know about you, but sometimes I just get sick of myself. I've come to find out my own worst enemy most of the time is my own flesh, Me. It's my hateful spirit. It's my prideful spirit. It's my arrogance. Nobody else. But I'm thankful for the grace of God. The mercy that's new every morning. It's new for me and it's new for you. So if you're struggling, bring it to Jesus. This altar is a great place to do it. You want to pray for a loved one, friend, problems in your life? Come tell Elohim, the God who spoke and the stars happened. Come tell him all about it. He's listening. He's listening. He's our daddy God, our Abba Father. He loves you more than anybody else. Unlike anybody else. If you need Jesus in any way, you come this morning. This is your invitation.